Welcome back to another chapter of the Rumcast. We are the pod that talks all things rum with the people who love and shape it. My name is John Gulla, and riding next to me on our shared rum quest, as always, is the Don Quixote to my Sancho Panza, Will Hookinga. <laughs> Hey Will, how's it going? You know, I well, I'm I'm flattered that I get to be the Don Quixote in this 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 uh, analogy. I actually I almost brought this up during the interview, but I was like, no one cares about this. But but maybe maybe other people will. Maybe. Now that I'm bringing it up in the I'm choosing to lead off the episode with it now. When I was a kid growing up, we had this piano in our house, and there was a little wood figurine, a wood carving. Uh, mm-hmm. about eight inches high and it was a little Don Quixote ah. uh, holding his little I guess it was like a spear or something uh, it's, and yeah, yeah he's it's, just standing um, a lance um, yeah oh, well, maybe it was yeah. a lance yeah and uh he had this hat on it was nice he had the little mm-hmm. the pointy beard and everything yeah but um I I don't know I always admired this little wooden Don Quixote figure I don't know who has that, it now my sister I think that's a famous piano so yeah I think that's after a famous sculpture or drawing by someone. I don't remember if it was Picasso's Don Quixote or somebody, but yeah, I also have a big Don Quixote painting in my house that I'm staring at as well right now. So wow. apparently it's a, a, a major cultural figure uh, for the both of us. Yes. But well, look how fast we got derailed. Speaking <laughs> of works of art, like the painting in your house. Oh. If you're listening to this episode now, you might have noticed that things, something looked a little di- a little mm, different, a little in, different. Your, in your podcast yeah. player or on social media. We uh we finally grew up. We got a we got a new logo, right, John? It's cause for yes. celebration. Woo! <laughs> there we go. We did our glow up. Yeah. I, I guess so. I mean, you know, <laughs> logos are very subjective, so maybe to some people we had a glow down. I don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah. I know you and I are both very happy with how it turned out, and I wanted to talk just really quickly about just how cha- I don't know. I found it pretty challenging to like come up with direction to yeah. a designer for a rum logo, and I feel like the conversations that we had along the way of you know trying to get to an idea that we liked really brushed up against a lot of the things that people you know, rum drinkers kind of complain about the category in the first place. We want to like avoid lots of those things. But it's like, you know, when we start the process, it's like, what was our initial checklist of like, we don't want any of these things. You remember, like, how do we lead it off? Well, it was no pirates, right? Yeah, that we, was number one, we, no pirates. We, we, we didn't want, like, beaches or nothing against beaches, of course, you know, or I anything nice that beach. is nice. I mean, hey, and rum goes really well on a beach setting, you too. You live in so Miami. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not that, but we also didn't want to limit it, I guess, right. to just that, you know, there's rum lovers everywhere, of course, and we acknowledge that. So, yeah, it was, it was no pirates, no beaches. No palm um, trees. Yeah, no palm trees. But then you get into the other stuff where it's like the first place your mind goes is like a barrel. But then you're like literally like almost every almost every spirits podcast or like spirits association or anything has barrels on their logo. Which you know, nothing against that, but we just want something a little different. And also Yeah. As you're about to point out, what's the problem with barrels? Well, because we love unaged rum. Exactly. And there's so much good unaged rum out there, and then we didn't want to limit ourselves to just the aged stuff. Exactly. So that's a problem. And then there was this the next thing, which is like well we're like we love stills, right? We like to talk about stills are cool. Stills are cool. But what's the problem with that? Well, which kind do you put on the exactly? <laughs> and so you know we can't put them all, obviously. And right. there's uh, so you know even a, just a pot in a column. But so that was a challenge. And then there was yet another challenge of thinking like, well, h- how do we do this for rum drinkers that drink it neat, like me, uh, mm-hmm. or or rum cocktail lovers who also equally have a share of rum? And how do you put all of that symbolism? 
into one logo. You know, I think I think we're both kind of by nature. Well, I don't want to speak for you. I'm a little bit by nature a people pleaser. <laughs> I I avoid conflict when possible, and I try to you know find ways yeah. to say yes to things and stuff like that. So yeah, it's very tempting to try to satisfy every possible person out right. there. But at the end of the day, what we kept coming back to was just the root of all rum is sugarcane. And exactly. sugarcane looks cool. So why don't we push designers in the direction of sugarcane? And we got a lot of interesting stuff, but yeah. the design that we ended up with kind of stood out to us because it can kind of stand on its own without the text. You can put the name of the podcast with it and it looks good. You can take mm-hmm. the, the name away and it looks good. Uh, and also the designer did this little creative thing that I honestly didn't even notice at first. Um, my wife, Samantha, pointed out to me that it kind of looks a little bit like a sound wave. Yeah. Um, and sound waves can be the other thing that like show up in a lot of podcast logos but i feel right. this was pulled off in a way to where it's it's subtle it's not it's not smacking right. you across it's not the in face. your face yeah i agree i like it too and i thought that was a really creative way to to show using both of those things a- mm-hmm. and then what's even kind of nicer was as we were staring at it for a while because that's one thing you know the one that we ultimately chose didn't immediately stick out to us i think the first right. day but over time it kind of grew on us and grew on us we're we're kind of hoping that that happens with everybody because i know a lot of people have already said they they like it right off the bat which is great yeah thank um, you to everyone by the way who it, chimed in on, uh, on social media we appreciate <laughs> yeah it. we do appreciate that but i do think there's also you know it, it takes a little time sometimes to get used to something and your eyes kind of see it for what it is. I don't know how a better way to say that is. So that certainly happened for me. And I started noticing some of the other things in there, like the way that it's kind of shaped kind of reminds me of a globe. Yeah. And you, Will, you were saying the same thing, that yeah. there's this kind of global kind of thing to it that's also very subtle. We always talk about Ron being a global spirit. Exactly. And it's got this little like half circle around it that, yeah. that reminds me of the little, when you look at a globe, like an actual globe, you know, mm-hmm. that you would have in your home or something. It right. has that kind of half circle that's like holding it up so yeah yeah um some fun subtle cues in there and uh it's it's good to you know it took us two years to do this but i'm glad we're, we're sort of taking the <laughs> we next finally step got here. there on that note though uh before we jump into this great interview uh it, you told me that you passed some sort of big milestone just like we i did, did. On the podcast but i'm not sure what it was i so, did i, so I what's was going on i was so excited that i had to share it with you outside of our our podcast conversation <laughs> just a little bit but now i can tell you the full story okay, so yeah. i sat there the other day with a, a rum in my hand and i was like you know what today is the day I've got to try to figure out how to make a cocktail that I like because you know me and anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I suck at cocktails and I really want to try to up my game just a little bit to get mm-hmm. some some staples in there. Well, you know, mm-hmm. nothing nothing big. I mean, hey, I can make a daiquiri, you know. I, one day I'm not I'll that convince bad. you. One day I'll convince <laughs> you to uh to like Campari and come over to the dark ooh, side. Ooh. I don't know about that. Uh, you mean, might need you some just, support there. You just there. got back from Italy, so come on. You know, I, you love it. And over I did there not have the culture. I did not have one Campari in Italy <laughs> while I was there. But so, anyways, I made a rum old fashioned. And Ooh, wow, I, I know, right? I was so little, proud of little, myself. Like, golf clap there. Yeah, well, I've had the bitters in my closet forever, so I figured I'd have to try to use them. So I had both the regular uh, bitters from Angostura and then mm-hmm. their orange classic bitters. And the orange bitters, yeah. yeah. Which I had to try. You know, I know that it seems like the classic recipe is only the regular bitters, but I feel like the orange bitters, still kind of a, a dash of those worked really well in there for me. So Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, definitely like orange bitters aren't way out of the norm in an old-fashioned. I, right. I, I, I think like a decent amount of people mix those in as well. Yeah. 
Um, but what I did was I got the inspiration from a Reddit thread where somebody was talking about Smith and Cross. Oh, yes. And and there was like, Smith and Cross makes a banging old-fashioned. And now I feel bad because I didn't get the user account name of the person. But you know who we are. You are on the on Reddit. It, so they said, yeah, it makes a banging rum old-fashioned. So I was like, you know what? I have that and I have everything I need and I'm going to do it. I even will. Will, this is the clincher. I did even you get... An orange peel? I did. Oh, yes. wow. Yes. Okay. Now I you, even now got an orange peel. You deserve yep. a true round of applause for that. Right? I, I did the little paring knife thing where I pulled some of it off. Oh. I twisted it. And I, you know, like did the little thing where they like kissed the rim of the glass with it because I saw somebody doing that. Did yeah. you do it with streams of sunlight pouring into where you can <laughs> see like all of the oils like spraying out like crazy like you see in all like the 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 really nice instagram shots no i'm so uh not not uh good enough to do that yet i was just okay. worried about getting Next it right time. Next uh, time. but i did i did it good and it was really freaking great and i'm so happy to kind of be able to add that to my repertoire now and i even did it again with a, a few days later with a different rum i i used don q7 Nice. And it was really great. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot there for, for me to explore as that is being one of my favorite mixed drinks right now. Rum Old Fashioned, the Daiquiri, and Sipping Neat are kind of my trifecta. So I, f- I find it's really nice to have a go-to, simple, easy-to-make rum cocktail just because sometimes I want to drink something cold. Yeah. And I may not always just want to, you know, pour rum over ice or something. Mm-hmm. So... Like having something that you just have in the bag and doesn't require more than like two ingredients is is really, really nice. It's pretty easy and pretty damn good, let me tell you. Well, you mentioned the second rum you tried was Don Q7, which brings us to our interview of this episode. I I do everything with a purpose, Will. You set it up. You set it up. So this week we talked with two people behind the rum at Don Q. Uh, We talked to Lisa Cordero, who is the new master blender at Don Q, along with Silvia Santiago, who is the Maestra Ronera at Don Q, and has been at the company for 48 years, yeah. I believe. It's either Insane. 47 yes. or 48. She is an institution at Don Q, has been there yeah. since the 70s. Uh, Lisa has been there getting close to two decades now. So two women who have had their fingerprints all over the rums at Don Q, which, uh, as we discuss in the show, is uh, a Puerto Rican rum. It's actually for a long time been the best-selling rum in Puerto Rico. Uh, obviously, when you bring up Puerto Rico, people tend to think of another distillery. But mm-hmm. if you go there locally, everyone's going to tell you about Don Q. And um, so this was just a really great conversation, just digging into the production process there, you know, memories from over the years, the kind of evolution of their careers. It's it's always yeah. really cool to talk to people who have been in the rum industry that long because it's just changed and evolved so much. And we also got some some nice little juicy uh, product mm-hmm. details there at the end. I, John John managed to uh, throw a few suggestions there uh, for them. <laughs> And um, we were pleased to discover that one of those suggestions may uh, may have already might long just stick, been in the yeah. works. We're, we were on the same page. We, we, we were uh, connecting and didn't even know it. Yeah, I, I thought it's not often we get a chance to talk to people with a combined, what, 70 years in the business. And that really shows uh, with, the, with the amount of knowledge that they have and, and can bring over about their craft. Yeah. Fantastic. Also, just to talk to great people, as, as we usually do, we, it's so nice that as we continue this podcast will and we talk to more and more people it feels to me like all the people we talk to that are in rum are such great people 
And that is just such, it feels like such a, I don't know, a luxury to be continuing to have conversations with awesome people who make really great products that we love. So yeah, no one's been mean to us yet. It's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And on that note, (laughs) I'm I'm super excited for people to hear this. And uh, also the return of the rapid fire segment. It had been a few episodes since we had, had, you know, brand new fresh-faced guests on the show to, for you mm-hmm. to put through the ringer for the first time. So <laughs> that, that was fun. Uh, so yeah, with all that said, let's, uh, let's throw it over to the interview now. here with Lisa Cordero, the new master blender for Don Q rum at Distilleria Sarriese, and Silvia Santiago, the maestra Ronera at the same place. And I wanted to start, uh, Silvia, I, I came across a quote you gave for an interview where you were asked to give some of the best words of advice that you've received in your career. And one of the bits of wisdom that you offered up was, don't solely rely on written communication. There are many things that can be resolved by talking it through. The written word is hard to retract and tone is hard to interpret. So I know you weren't talking about doing a podcast interview there, but I thought, what better way to open uh, this up than with a reminder (laughs) of the power of conversation. So uh, welcome to the show to you both. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Very excited. Lisa, I, I know you just stepped into your new role as Master yes. Blender. And yes. I wanted to ask, how, how did you find out it was ha- happening? Was this a situation where the opportunity was there and you kind of put your name in the ring? Or were you approached about it? Had you known this was coming for years? Like, what was it like when you found out that this was happening? Well, uh, it's a mix of everything. I started in the distillery about 19 years ago. So as I was working as, as the process director, I was in charge of the distillation, fermentation, utilities. Part of my job was to come to the lab and also evaluate the product with the master blender. He started to, to put some samples in front of me, say, Lisa, smell this. Lisa, taste this. And I said, okay, but uh, how, what, what I'm looking in, in, in this sample, Lisa, take a, a, a moment, take it calm and start putting your senses to work. So uh, every time I was coming to the lab and uh, I was finding even more interesting, finding those notes in every product. Sometimes also they gave me age products because normally I was with the unaged product because I was responsible for Mm -hmm. that. But that that interested started to build up. And once I, I, I came to Sylvia and I told her, Sylvia, I want to be part of the sensory panel that we have in the distillery. And she said, okay, Lisa, we'll, we'll start working on that. And suddenly the opportunity came and uh, Sylvia told me, Lisa, uh, there is an opportunity for Master Blender. I told her, I want that, I want that job, I want that job. <laughs> so that is uh, pretty much, it was, was something that was building up uh, slowly. 
but my interest it was there. You know, my interest was there. That's awesome. And, and Sylvia, on your end, I'm sure that that's the type of person you want signing up for that role is the person <laughs> saying like, please, me, I want to do me, this. I want to do me. this, right? Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> yes. And, and Sylvia, turning to you, uh, you know, in your background, I know you've been a part of Don Q since the early 70s, which, by the way, is an incredible span of time, nearly 50 years now. Congratulations. I read, yeah, congrats uh, in advance. It's coming. I, I read about how you stepped out of college on a Friday and into work <laughs> with Don Q on a Monday. Uh, but, right. you know, can you tell us a little bit more about how that all came together? And also in a culture now that rarely sees people stay long term with one company, I also wanted to ask you about what's kept you there all this time? Yes, um, as you all said, I was studying really medical technology. I was supposed to be working in hospitals, really, but uh, you studied a lot of microbiology um, mm. in that course. So uh, here at CVS, they were looking for someone to look at the fermentation, the yeast, doing tests and doing some research. So they went to the college and uh, did some interviews and they offered me the position, and in fact, they waited three months until I finished my degree. Wow! Ah. For me to start something that you don't do, you don't yeah. see. They knew nowadays. it had to be you. It had to be you. It was worth the wait, right? <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? And for me, it was it was something completely new. You know, I never thought. I I didn't even have an idea of working in a factory or or making rum. Mm-hmm. Never in my mind. So it was something new. I was so excited. And as you all said, I graduated on a Friday and on Monday I was already working here. Next question that you ask, that is, why for so many years? Because there is something new every day, even after 48 years being here. Wow. That's definitely and, true. You know, you fell in love with the process. Yes. I did. I, I escaped from the laboratory when I was working. <laughs> it sounds and like a I movie began, plot. <laughs> yeah, and I began that with the walking around the, the stills, the columns, smelling and, mm-hmm. and asking questions. And they were explaining those those people that were here for many, many years. They were wonderful. They began explaining everything to me. I was very young, remember. I was the really, I didn't present like a threat to them. They just saw this young girl who wants to learn. Let me let me talk about what we do here, what what I do here. So they began explaining, and I began learning. I feel like that's a good kind of um, culture to have. I feel like I've heard stories with plenty of other places where that kind of curiosity, you right. know, wouldn't be encouraged necessarily. So that's that's good to hear. Yes, yes. It's yeah, just hearing the infectious excitement that you all have. It's easy to see why you, you've been able to be there that long and still be so excited is you're working with each other too, right? So yes. you, it, I mean, let's stop to, to think about this. There's almost 70 years of experience between you two here. Yeah. That's just pretty amazing. And That's a lot uh, of you rum. All worked, yes, that is a lot of rum. Yeah, we have, we have had great chemistry since I started working here in the distillery. Sylvia has always been there for me. And we have... We have talked a lot. Uh, every time that we maybe have some opportunities or issues, Sylvia, what do you think? And we share mm-hmm. a lot of information. And now that I am also in this position, 
I am more like than blessed to be under her wing. So, Sylvia, I was going to ask you really quickly to go back. You mentioned when you started, you were coming in to do, you know, research around yeast and things like that. When when research like that is being done at the distillery, what sorts of things are you looking for? What are you trying to find out? And is does that type of research, is that still continuing to this day? Is there always something being, um, you know, new learnings trying to find and things like that? Yes, it's correct. Let me tell you, one of the things that at the very beginning I started working with was with other strains of yeast. Mm. We have our own yeast. We don't purchase, we don't buy yeast mm-hmm. uh, from companies. We Back in 1934, there were so excellent doctors who came and recovered many different strains of yeast and they did their work, their investigations. So at the end, they chose this specific strain that, mm-hmm. and it is still the one that we are using today. So one of the things that you do and we still do is looking to see if there is something different, something new, a new strain that could give us something better. I can tell you, and, and I am always I always say that the yeast is my querendona, my loved one. <laughs> it's a noble strain. Our yeast, it's wonderful. And after so many years, of course, as a, at any living organism, it suffers changes in, mm-hmm. in its profile. But we send samples at least every two years to specific laboratories to check the genetic profile to be sure that it's still working. Uh. Even though we know that it's still working okay because every day we see the fermentation processing and it's great. It, it gives an excellent efficiency. It's a cell that withstands difficult environments, mm. and it gives such an excellent profile, sensory profile. That's what you know. That's the base for later on during the distillation, aging, and blending. That that's the the, the base that's part. Yeah. The key part. Yeah, it's not something we think about very often in terms of long-term changes, genetic changes in yeast, almost like blend drift, right? With your rum, when you blend and over time it can drift, there's almost a yeast drift, right? Right. Uh, That's interesting. I hadn't even considered that you really, if you're trying to uh, maintain that profile of yeast, you have to check on it over time, right? Yes, we have to. Yeah, no, that that is fascinating. And and Lisa, I know your background was in science as well. I think you studied chemical engineering, if I if I read correctly. Yes, chemical engineer. I wanted to be a chemical engineer since I was in ninth grade. Oh, really? Mm. I'm yes. always I'm always jealous of of the people <laughs> who figured out their career path so young. You know, um, that's that's so cool to me. So, okay, so you wanted to be a chemical engineer. Yes. How did you end up? Uh, getting into rum was that did it just occur to you one day did the op- like how did the opportunity come about well i when i graduated from college i started working in the petrochemical industry so a lot of distillation training was uh, i i got a lot of distillation training there because in the petrochemicals everything is distillation so after that i went to the biotech i i tried that that world but uh Serrayes had an opening by that time, and I sent my resume, and I remembered that interview. They were saying to me, oh, how do you know about distillation? And what about your nose? And I said, nose? <laughs> <laughs> but I am a chemical engineer. What it has to do with the nose? And the, 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 the engineer that interviewed me told me, because when you work in rum, you have to have a good nose. So he oh so yeah, but but why yeah because you have to smell and he started to to 
talking that lovely way that I said, oh my God, there is another aspect in chemical engineering. Right. And this that, is different. This is different yes. than dealing with uh, petroleum. Yes, and yes. I make gasoline. I make chemicals. I make medicines. It tastes better. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and it smells better. Yeah. Right, definitely. So, so when he started to to talk like that, he said, "Oh my God, there is another aspect." And as soon as they call me, do you wanna? They make the offer. I said, "Obviously, I want to be there." Yeah. And I have been here since 19 years ago. So I stayed here. I love. Uh, I love being here. And I love started his or everything is is the way it's supposed to be in my career right now. So Sylvia, I've heard you mention before that there's a perception among people in your role specifically that you just drink rum all day, every day. And that's uh, what you do. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I have several anecdotes about that. But yes, people think that we are drinking rum all the time. And if we do that, imagine at seven AM in the morning, the first thing that you do. Is taste, adoption of the pieces for hours. So if you really drink it at the end of one or two hours, you will be knocked out. So impossible. <laughs> but yes, that happened. And I, I always remember this secretary that we met at the, we were in the, in the restroom. And I was trying uh, contact lenses. So my eyes were very, very red. And I began just saying, oh, this uh, lenses are killing me. Look my eyes. And she looked at me so sharp and she told me, Oh, Sylvia, I thought that your eyes were so red because you were drinking rum. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> reality, that was the first time that I think, Oh my God, people are, they think that I'm drinking rum. <laughs> but yes, um, some people think about that here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, then for both of you, I guess, what does a typical day in the life of a maestro ranera look like? And what are some of the functions that people may see less of, but are still really extremely important for you and the success of the company in the rum? Well, at least um, for me, I start at 7 a.m. I get to the lab. Uh, we prepare the standards and then we're, we start receiving samples from all around the plant, from distillation. We receive samples from the fermentation lab because they do pilot fermentations. And that's the first point in which we start monitoring our process. Mm -hmm. We get the, the some aging uh, samples because we monitor our aging. We get the from the blending area where the formulation gets, uh, uh, where we make the formulation, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, they get us samples for approval. So every, at least I am like, seven to eight hours daily evaluating and after that then wow. i sit down and do yeah. all the the calculations all the other work that i need to do as a master blender so long days wow yes very it's long, a long days. day and and she's because she also goes uh to the places to the rectifying unit where See. they are making the rooms and checking on the processes she also goes to the distillation area also Remember that was her heart was at the very beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the heart is. You have Both a part of being there. That they are, yeah, that they are care, good care of the of the distillation system. And you asked something that I didn't answer. I am going to take advantage of what Lisa said. Sure. Is that we still do a lot of research? For example, when we purchase the molasses or we receive our molasses, we always perform pilot tests taking on ways in which we can extract the, all the sugar that those molasses have to, to produce the brom 
And we are continuously, we have two laboratory areas and they have a lot of work in that, uh, looking for better ways of doing things. Not always work, you know, they, mm -hmm. they sometimes suggest, hey, we can do this or that, but not necessarily we go that way. Remember that it's really important in this, in this business, what I am blending today was distilled in some cases, eight years, 10 right. years. Yes. Back. Right. So changes must be taken care carefully because you don't want really to mess with that. So changes are slow, but we have to look for, anyway, we have to look for changes to improve processes, controls, mostly controls. You want to control the process to be sure that you will always have the same end product. So, and that's what our focus is most of the time. You mentioned molasses there, and I think I'd read that that part of your your job is like making the molasses purchases and everything. And I know just from talking with distilleries all over the Caribbean that sourcing molasses has really changed a lot, you know, over the past few decades. And I imagine it's changed enormously since um, the 70s when you first arrived. Um, and so I, I was kind of curious to, to ask you just what, for people who are just rum consumers and aren't thinking about molasses all the time, what are the challenges right now with sourcing molasses that causes you to, you know, need to be testing and checking and doing all this stuff? Yes, you have to be very careful because remember, molasses is a byproduct of the sugar production. So most of the sugar producers, they are looking for efficiencies in their processes. So the molasses that they have not necessarily are the best ones. Right. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we, as a company, we do is we have our origins already determined. We don't purchase molasses from any place. No, because not all molasses are good for rum production. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So we have certain origins. We use a broker to purchase the molasses. And that broker knows by heart what our requirements are. So they, they know, they help us get the contracts, long-term contracts, to be sure. And we use two types of molasses. One of, of the molasses, because the regular black strap not necessarily is available all the time mm -hmm. with the quality that we want, that we need. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we went to the producers, to the mills, and, and told them, hey, don't take any sugar from it. I, I am going to pay us sugar for your molasses. Ah, yeah. But don't, yes, don't really don't separate the sugar, just right. invert it, and that's the molasses. It's more expensive, but I then I ensure that origin. I ensure that volume. So that's the way in which we deal with the, with the supply of molasses. So it's hmm. essentially the challenge you're pointing out here is that if you're a sugar mill, your mission is to create as much sugar as possible uh, to get that out of the molasses. Yeah. Yes. As a distillery, you need there to be some levels of sugar in the molasses for fermentation. So you're trying to, it's it, it's a really interesting kind of dynamic yeah. there. And also I, I, when, when you started was was there still Puerto Rican molasses being used at that point? Was the sugar industry still kind of thriving in the 70s? Yes, and that's one of the good things of being here for so many years. Yes. It paid with my little arrugas. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen so much and so many changes. And yes, at the very beginning when I started here, we had the meal, the sugar meal in front of us. 
And mm -hmm. uh, those first years, we were receiving the molasses right from the mill in mm. front. So uh, that's when I learned, I visited the factory and learned how they did the things. Of course, the sugars were controlled less tightly than in other meals. Okay. So uh -huh. the, fits, the molasses were really good. Nowadays, it's different, as you would said. Um, about uh, 75, 1975, uh, there was no more sugar produced here in the island, so there were no more molasses uh, available in the island, at least for our volume demand. So we ended purchasing molasses from other countries. That's right. how we learned how to select the origins. We suffered, we learned with tears, you know? Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> I can tell you that at the very beginning, there were some sources that were awful, you know? They were terrible for, for raw production. Mm. So that's how we learn. No, no, no. We have to be sure. Try it out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that these molasses are good. And as soon as we received one of the shipments, the first thing, as Lisa said, is doing the quiet fermentation and we smell that product after this village. We distill that at the laboratory and smell it and, and do the tests yes. to be sure that it's giving us exactly what we need. Yeah, that's that's such a fascinating side of the, the process. I'm sure it keeps you busy. Lisa, I want to turn to one of your focuses in your new role is developing new products and expressions, yes. which is yes. very exciting, you know, to, yes. to, to rum drinkers out there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask, how do you approach that? Do you do you step into this role with like a bunch of ideas of things like you want to try? Or do you step in and there are already ideas that the company has, has come up with? And, and they're more so saying like, you know, make us something in this direction. What is kind of that creative process look like with coming up with with new new rum expressions well it's a mix of of both things first we have our marketing people that are the ones that are listening outside to know how the market is changing many people like rum and rum has changed so much since mm -hmm. we started hmm. so we have a lot of options out there so we always have to be ahead and watching out what is is famous now or what are people liking. So marketing gives us a lot of feedback and we have some ideas on the table. We discuss them also. We as 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 besides being a master blender, I'm also a client. Okay, yeah. I, I know what I like and right. I go to out to places and sometimes I go to, to places that said, How do you like your Don Q? Or what would you like to see new in Don Q? So I also do my own. Conducting your own market research. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and <laughs> when we meet, because we do have meetings frequently to talk about that, then we throw this, throw everything on the table and we decide which things are what we're going to pursue first, mm -hmm. but nothing is out of the table. It's maybe okay. on priority one, priority two, priority three. So we focus on what really the market needs now but leaving on the table other ideas, yes. Mm -hmm. We have some things we might want to throw on the table. <laughs> yeah. We are open to that. Obviously, we're open. Well, we You're talking with the right people. We'll get there. We're talking with we'll the best round. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. So I, I do want to get a little bit into the process of how rum is made without getting into, you know, the top secret <laughs> recipes and things like that. But 
um, you know, I've read a little bit about the production process. And, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting about rum are the different ways that different traditions approach that production process and and what types of rum they're making, how they're blending and everything. So kind of at a high level, my understanding is that for Don Q, you essentially you make lighter rums and heavier rums, and then you can blend those in different proportions to give yourself kind of a variety of base rums to work with. So really the question I want to ask is just what is the difference in how your light rums and heavy rums are produced? Like what makes one light and what makes one heavy to you? It's a stages uh, of distillation. Let's uh, a heavy rum is a single distillation. It's the same fermentation, but obviously you're not having so many columns. So, many congeners stay in your product. That is okay. what we call heavy. We make heavy in an, in an old column. It's about from, from the 1930s, 1930s. I think it's a so Vendome column still, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's completely out of made of copper. We still have that column. We make our heavy rum there. It has the same characteristics. So because it's very important to maintain that characteristic for our aging to take place correctly. The barrel will be with you very generous as as well as the product that you get to it. So right. that is why we are very consistent and very jealous of the quality that we put to our barrels. For the light rum, we have an exquisite, beautiful, marvelous <laughs> distillation system, which is oh, my I baby. I can see that you started my in distillation, baby. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a five a cons, a five column system. Mm-hmm. It's a German technology. We is very efficient. We make, and I have to say that we make 22 million proof gallons per year. So we are, yeah, that's a lot. And yeah, wow. with the same consistency, if for some reasons we have some things on fermentation, because I cannot lie, sometimes fermentation has some challenges. The thing is that we can change our conditions in the system and we always have good product. Always. There is no day that I, that is since I have been in this plant that we made bad product because we have so many controls established that we can just change things in order to avoid the product going the, the other way. So light rum is a very neutral uh, spirit, uh, which is very, ver- for me, it's like ready to be aged because it will accept whatever the barrel will give mm, to it. Okay. So then what I'm hearing is essentially it's it's just the distillation that drives the difference between that. You're, you're not doing like yes. one super long fermentation for one no. of the rums and a very short one for the other. Well, we do have other fermentations which stay longer and, okay. and are more con- with a lot of congeners, but it, we we have our same molasses, our the same yeast, so mm-hmm. in terms of fermentation hours, we might shift from congeners, but is distillation is uh, is um, shortened time fermentation. It takes about forty to forty-two hours. The heavier is about sixty or more. Okay. So there is some difference in congeners, but it's just the same, the same fermentation. And you mentioned the, um, I'm going to get the number wrong, but the the number of gallons being produced there every 22 year. Twenty-two million. Twenty-two million. Gallon. 
Twenty-two yeah. million proof gallons. And and I don't I don't know how many listeners realize this. I, I know everyone hears Distillerias Arias and they instantly associate it with Don Q. But you're also there are other brands in Puerto Rico that are coming out of there, um, like Palo Viejo. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you you do a lot of rum that that is sold in bulk and things like that. So I just want listeners to to know that like that's not all Don Q. Uh, but you know there's there's a lot of different rums coming out there. Let me tell you something about that, and it's it's really important also because people think that even though it has different name that is the same product and no it's not, it no. is not but it, it, it there are many things that make uh, a difference in those different mm-hmm. brands uh, your blend is different and right. the, your treatment uh, your type of you know that you use some activated carbon to remove some of the corner mm-hmm. coming from the battle the mm-hmm. type of activated carbon is different also it's, it's Part of the formula for each rum. Right. It's not yeah. just so being like packaged things. and resold right, with a different, right. different brand. These are distinct, distinct rums. Yeah. Yes. That's one of the one of the strengths of rums and what we talk about all the time is we love there's so many different ways that you can uh, vary it and it's so versatile as a spirit. So it's great that you all take advantage of that. I wanted to mention, so we talked a little bit uh, right before the interview about how much I, I do love the Don Q7. It's, it is a fantastic rum. But I also wanted to mention something else. And actually, this is what brought me to think, wow, Don Q is really doing really great things, was you have a limited single barrel vintage that has come out. And I noticed that on the shelf. And I'd seen, I think the first one I ever saw was the 2005. And then there was a 2007. And then finally, a 2009. I missed out on the 2009, unfortunately. I wasn't able to find out. I've had the other two. I've got the other two. But I wanted to know, can we expect seeing any more of those to come in the future? Should we assume the next one's going to be the 2011? <laughs> if we follow the pattern? It is. You, you can be sure that will be, there will be more. Let me tell you the story of those yeah. um, battles. Yes, please. Um, sometimes you go to the warehouse, walking around, you get samples and you taste and you find some special budgets mm-hmm. that have the, like this specific character. And that's how the 2005 started. And since then, that's what we look at. So yes, now we are looking for the next single bottle. Pretty yes. soon, pretty soon will be there. And let, let's stay there. But yet, <laughs> we can't say any more than that. single <laughs> no, because and those are like a small batches. You know, it's unique. Yeah, and you don't have. I cannot go back and, and get another two thousand five. You see, right, uh, right. So, but it's because they have. We select them because we find some specific character that that batch has that it's good enough as to make its own volume separate from the others by itself yeah so we can't say it will have a year on the bottle we can say that we just don't know what year (laughs) right yeah and one one of the things that i uh, appreciated about those bottles was that you know we we were just talking about how you make light and heavy rums you blend them together i really liked how on the label it would say you know which type of rum you know was in this single barrel batch like i think some were all light rum there were some that had light and medium and things like that and just as um, you know, a rum enthusiast, just yes. getting able to know more about what I'm tasting is is always really cool. So I, I appreciated that little detail on the label. 
for rum geeks like us, that's that's where it's at. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, to complement that, there's also something else that we rum geeks love, which is the limited cask finishes that I've been ah. very lucky to see and have. They're very fun and interesting. And, and again, for us to be able to explore those type of finishes, I know there's the vermouth cask finish, which I, I don't see very often in rum. A vermouth cask <laughs> finish. And and then the sherry cask finish, which is a little bit more well out there, but very good. Has that project ended or can we expect more future releases from that and different finishes? Are you able to tell us? Maybe a port cask, maybe something different. Let, let, me, let me ask you, have you checked the San Francisco uh, recent content? Uh- the results uh, of it? I haven't been through all of those yet. No. I'm guessing you might maybe, find you one answer to that question. Get some good news? If you go there, you will <laughs> find a double gold. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's your first answer. <laughs> and that's the cognac. Yes. Oh, that's okay. cognac. That's our new, our new baby, yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I just remembered um, I, I had talked to Roberto Serayes about this same topic maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And he was like, there's this cognac cask and we've been tasting it and it's so good. So it's, it's finally come out. It's, that's awesome. Yeah. Making its way to us. I'll be looking now. I have to go to my shops and see if it's there yet. Uh, if it's, it's not, it's not there yet. We will be bottling. We have the lot already prepared, and we will be bottling pretty soon. I would think that probably by July. Okay. Uh, we'll be going on to market, and uh, so they we saw the label. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, perfect. Wonderful. Yes. So I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, John mentioned the sherry there. As I understand it, the majority of your rum goes into ex-bourbon casks. But I've, I've read that you have kind of a Solera system with those ex-sherry casks that kind of gives you that other distinct blending component to work with. Can you walk us through how that barrel system works and, and how the rum that's used in there kind of factors into your blending? Yeah, that Solera, it's really old. It has... Well, I've been here for 48 years, and it was already there many years before, so probably over 60 or more years. Wow. And it's a three-tier system similar to, to the sharing mm-hmm. in Spain. Uh, and so, technically, there must be, like, uh, some molecules. <laughs> there, <laughs> Six-year-old molecules. For the, ver- yeah, for the very first time that they were used. We but yes, we, we use it exactly as in the insurance system when we are going to produce. We use the Solera just for the XO, the Reserva XO. Ah, uh, okay. It's an ingredient of the, of, of the Solera XO. It, it has Solera XO that has seven ingredients in the blend. Okay. And one of the ingredients is now this the Solera. And definitely, when we are going it's to so make awesome. that, we take from the bottom tier. Mm-hmm. We never empty the cask. We leave us the volume, and then we refill it from the middle, the middle from the top, and the top we refill it with the best that we find rum of four years or more. Okay, okay. So it has to be four years before it even goes into the top. Into yes, it has to. The Solera system is a very slow process. The ratio between the wood to the rum. Makes the makes the smoothness when when you taste the the reserva XO and you allow it in your mouth, then it's the smoothness that is unique. It's it's something wonderful because it fills your mouth, and when you swallow it slowly, remember it has to be swallowed very slowly. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can feel the warmth 
going down your throat and your chest. It's like a and hug. Yeah, yeah. It's so like I always say it's like it explodes with flavors. <laughs> and you feel, you know, you are filled with with all those different layers of, of flavors and, and, and it's, it's delicious. It's really delicious. And the, the solera is one of the, if not the, the most important, is one of the most important key component. Component, yes, to give that special character. Even when you go to that warehouse, you play like your respects towards when you see that solera because it's so, <laughs> it's, it's like going to a church. Right, right. I, I don't know why. I just shut, I, I cannot, I cannot even, I can speak. Because we play like your respect. Okay, you're happening in there many years. <laughs> right. you know? It's a holy yeah. place. Yes, it's a holy place. So for me, it is. I, I had no idea that it had been there for that long. Um, yes. Do you do you know? Or is are there stories behind why why it was why they decided to to put it in there? Not really. I don't have that idea. I think that probably as we do now, they were looking for something new and different. Mm -hmm. uh, to make since the very beginning, it has been like that. You know that the queue from Don Quixote mm -hmm. uh, comes because of uh, continuous looking for something more, something higher. That's that I believe what perfection, created, dreaming the impossible dream. Yeah, yeah, perfection. Since the very beginning, that was like the the guide to the people that were working with the formulas here. The plan so probably mm -hmm. that was the. The reason why they began with the Solera system. Yeah, and there's kind of the the Spain connection as well, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised to know we did a a session. I think Sylvia, you were there with the Florida Rum Society a few months ago, and it was a surprise to me to find out that people that didn't realize Don Q was actually standing for Don Quixote, and they were surprised. <laughs> oh, really? By that. Yes. When do we and get I was to like, meet really? this Don guy? Yeah. Really. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing because we have had the figure of Don Quixote always. In some part of the labor or the cab, don't make the relationship between the figure of Don Quixote and the cube right, in yeah. the product. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting that I, I thought it was like very like obvious illusion. And there's still people out there who were like, no, I didn't realize that. I, I'm a huge fan. Of, I, Lisa, I think you had mentioned uh, consistency. Yes. Uh, or both of you maybe did in producing quality rum there, which is something that I, I think of as a hallmark for Don Q. Yes. But an, another important part for me is your commitment to not adding sugar to the rum as part of your process. Yes. A, a large number of rums, well, I have to be careful how I say this, but I know a large number of rums produced in former Spanish colonies throughout the Caribbean and in Central South America do sweeten their rum before it gets to the bottle. Some are more transparent about that than others, but I know you don't. And I don't really ever see you make a big deal or point of separation in your marketing or talking points, but it really is a big deal for us as rum connoisseurs and rum geeks like us. We want to know what's in the bottle and we want to know that there is an option for us with rums that are unsweetened. So I just wanted to ask, could you talk a little bit more about Distilleria Sarayas, your commitment to that standard and how that impacts making the rum? Well, in the rums that we have right now, uh, we first, we don't need to add the sugar. The barrel itself brings that sweet note. And I can share with you something that happened to me yesterday. I was, I am monitoring one of the barrels because mm -hmm. I'm doing some tests and I took a sample in January and I took a sample on the, then on, on March and 
you can see the difference in sweetness. This one was very crude to use that word. Mm -hmm. And in two months, I can sense the vanilla. I can sense the sweetness that I tasted. I said, oh my God, this is so good. So as it progresses, that barrel gives us that sweetness. So why do one don't make a deal out of it? Sylvia can tell you more about that. But I think that we know what we do. We know how our, is our rum. We just focus ourselves and, and, and telling people and educating people how our barrels are making great things out of great rum. And that is what we bring to the people, we bring to the customers. Our process is so robust, our so consistent that we do not need to deal with additional things to be added to correct it. So I don't know if I answer your question on that one, but we don't we don't need to make a big deal out of that. I don't. That's think an so. acceptable answer. Is you have good enough rummy, you don't need to. So See, we work. don't need to. <laughs> let, yeah. let me tell you something regarding that, and and I would say using your same words, we have to be careful with this. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are styles. There are styles yeah. of making rum. That's the way in which I see. We respect a lot our customer and our products. And we we believe in the traditional way of mm-hmm. making rum. So when you make a good rum, as Lisa said, there is there is no necessity to add anything else because the rum is good enough as to give you the best experience. Yeah, it stands on its own. Yeah. So Sylvia, I read an interview where you spoke to the role that intuition plays in in blending and aging rum. Uh, you described it as kind of a sixth sense. And one of the <laughs> things that I think is so just kind of interesting when I talk to distillers, blenders, people at distilleries who have that scientific background is when they, like, you can be knee deep in the science of it, but you also kind of have this appreciation for like, I, I don't want to use the word magic, but like this unknowable part of the process, you know, mm-hmm. just sensing when something is right, as opposed to looking at a chart with numbers and being like, yes, mm-hmm. this is exactly right now. Sometimes you just know it uh, in, in, in your heart or in your mind or somewhere. So I, I want to just ask a little bit about when you're analyzing a, a blend, how much of a role do you think intuition plays? It, it, and is there an aspect to blending that you feel like can't be taught? It's almost just kind of like innate. Yes. Uh, definitely it is, and uh, not only since, not only when you have a blend, sometimes you have the blend and, and when you taste it and you just close your eyes and, and feel what you find in that blend, but it also happens when you smell samples from the distillation. Mm-hmm. So we, we get yes. a lot of, of samples from different parts of the system, because Same. as I said, we have five columns, and we get samples from different uh, columns, different extraction points. And when you smell those samples, you already know, and Lisa knows that sometimes I, I tell her, this will give an excellent, excellent. product. Excellent. Uh, in a barrel. Yeah. This, this will <laughs> give an excellent product. Yes. And it's that, it, it's that mojo, it's that thing that tells you, yes, this is good. And this is because you have your, in your mind, you already know what is going to happen during the aging process. And, and you can even imagine the end product. And that's not only science, as you once said, it's not mm-hmm. only numbers, but it's also a feeling uh, of what you have in your heads now and what you can expect for that in the future. 
I guess, Lisa, that's why at your interview, they, they asked about the nose, right? <laughs> yes, that's why. And it's very true, believe me. And, and now that I, am, that I am dedicated to this, believe me, every time that I evaluate a product, I do a first pass. And in the second pass, I start seeing some notes of everything else. Mm. It's, it's, it's so wonderful to discover so many things in a product. So that is why I enjoy my day every month so much. There are so many things that I that are yet to discover that sometimes I get like desperate. I said, Sylvia, oh Sylvia, I want to learn everything. Hey, no, no, you have to <laughs> yeah. slowly because it's so wonderful to 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 get to to explore all these types of, of components of, of smells of of taste. So so it's so wonderful. So Yes, is is the nose is very important, and and I I hope to develop that type of, of experience that Sylvia has. As when I give her sometimes some some samples, I tell her Sylvia what I'm supposed to be having here, and she guide me through all mm-hmm. that, and then I start evaluating and, and getting that sensorial memory. Yeah, you, you mentioned sometimes you know, you're evaluating samples for maybe eight hours of the day. Yes. Do you, mm-hmm. do you ever kind of have to refresh yourself or can you, can you kind of get, does your nose get worn out? Does your palate get worn out? And how do you kind of manage that and keep yourself fresh? And, and I assume the goal is to be able to evaluate something the same way the first part of the day is the end part of the yes. day, right. which I yes. imagine is, yeah. is a challenge. Yes. Yeah. So I, I do like a, an order. I take the cleaner products first, and then I start evaluating from from the rectifying or, or where we blend H rums. And at the end of the day, I take, for example, the pilot fermentations. So I I dedicate my nose to the to the priority things, okay. and in after the end afternoon, whenever the plant is already shut down because we were until four, then I start evaluating all the pilot fermentations. But I get so I start with the with the cleaner products. Yes. So we know that Puerto Rico is the number one producer of for volume of rum in the world. Yes. And we also know that Don Q is the number one selling rum on the island of Puerto Rico. So I wanted to just ask simply, to what do you all attribute that local success to? I, I understand that for many, many years, the Cerreyes have been working to earn that. Remember, yes. 157 years of history in the island. A lot of time to really um, yeah. earn that, that trust from the people. And whenever you put effort in give the customer what the best that you have, you have a, a reward. that is sold in Same. return. It, it's really like that. It's, it's, and, and remember, Stereyes is not only the process or the products. We try to be part of the life of the Puerto Rican people. We try to give whenever there is a necessity. And I can give you the example yeah. um, when the the pandemic started that we changed yes. our immediately we we changed as, as soon as they closed uh, everything here in the island we changed our process into making completely alcohol. completely yeah. and yeah. and we began giving that product with no cost to everybody in the island and and you it, it was amazing the line of I see. oh yeah. <laughs> 
it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Um, that we were serving policemen, hospitals, pharmacies, yes. and even poor people that didn't have, that they couldn't get the product they get here. And even crying, our, even crying. Wow. Our people, our employees, I feel so proud because mm. they came whenever, when all the other people were in their houses, keeping safe. They were coming here since early in the morning, preparing drones, preparing bottles, everything, preparing the documents because everything had to go uh, with the government documents signed mm -hmm. and serving all those people. And for the only thing of uh, satisfaction, yeah. they, were, they were doing something good for the Puerto Ricans and the company the same. So that's that's the way in which the Serrayes family have been for all those 157 years. So that's how we earn the position that we have at this moment. It's bigger. It goes beyond rum. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I'm glad you shared that story. I think just I saw so many distilleries kind of really step up and make forget. sacrifices yeah. um, mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And forget. people shouldn't forget that, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to turn a little bit to, you know, you, you mentioned the um, the number of years that uh, that Sarah Yes has been around. And Lisa, you're you're stepping into this role at a place mm -hmm. that's made rum for a very long time. Yes. That has a lot of established tradition and style mm -hmm. and sort of ways of doing things. How do you balance honoring and maintaining that with also continuing to branch out, to push, to try new things? And, and when when do you ever reach a moment where you're like, this is good, but this isn't Don Q? Uh, like, yeah. like, how do you balance those things? Uh, first, it's an honor to to be now in this position that I have uh, an, a direct impact on our brand. Yeah. Besides being dedicated and compromised to my to my previous position, because uh, I everybody that works here is very compromised and lives for the brand. With this new position, I have like a higher responsibility mm -hmm. because that is the our face. So here in Nanku, we have done everything traditional, as Sylvia says. We have our traditional way of fermentation, of distillation, although we have a lot of technology invested on it. But our product continues to be aged in the same approach in terms of the barrels that we use. And the product that we want to produce needs to maintain that consistency, that character. Balance it with the new things that are out in the market. I think that we look for them. We want to compete with them, but we want to make sure that everything that we produce and gets out of Destilleria Serrayes is going to stay in the market. Mm. It's not going to be very volatile. It's not going to be a momentary thing. And I think that balancing that tradition with the newer things or the modern things, that balance is like the perfect marriage for a product to stay in the market. And that's what we're looking. We're, we don't want anything quick. We want things that get uh, in a shelf. And every time that you go there, you said that product stay here because mm -hmm. we made a perfect balance between tradition and modern things. 
So I, I, I think what I'm gathering from that is if if we as as rum consumers see something new from Don Q on the shelf, we can expect that that won't be the last time we see it, probably. No, no, no. If you're everything goes at, according to plan, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and believe me, uh, again, when we, when we launch a product in the market, it's because we have invested a lot of study in that. We we know which market we or which type of, of is like young adults or more elegant or whatever. We know what is our market and we based on that start to make the blends. But what is in the market right now? What is modern? What is late what is being used lately? Okay, yeah. let me see how can I incorporate this but without losing my tradition. Yeah. Because yeah. that is on cue. We have to be careful that we have our our own trademark. So, hmm. On that note, actually, so I have a, a mildly selfish kind of question, or maybe we'll, what we'll cast this as is I have something to throw on the table. We mentioned it earlier. I will get my the market pen. research, yeah. <laughs> so we got some market research here. I, I'm well aware that, you know, Will and I and, and many of our listeners even, are, we're not the majority necessarily of rum drinkers out there, but we have noticed a definitive trend that people like us, they're looking at offerings with a bump up in ABV beyond 40. So I mentioned how much I love the single barrels. I love the donkey set. Really, they're all fantastic. But I would love to see versions of those that might be at more like 45 or 46% ABV. Um, so <laughs> any chance that maybe that gets onto the table? Well, it's for the cognac because the cognac he hasn't is seen it. Oh, I haven't oh. seen it. Bottle, yes, at bottle alcohol. So it's, a, it's really um, at the concentration of the bottle. So ah. look for that. We listed. We yes. listed. <laughs> we listed. They're, they're way ahead of you, John. Yet. Yeah, they're, I was going to say they're ahead of me. I didn't even ask and we got it. At, look at that. I'm, I color me impressed. So uh, when you see the bottle, you will, you just think, okay, this product, they went to the warehouse, they took a sample, they took it to the GC and they run the proof. Okay. That is what is going in the bottle. <laughs> Excellent. So, I cannot wait for that then in that yeah, case. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yes. And we appreciate that feedback because those are the kind of things that we listen to and put into the new products that could come, uh, work with that. So. Great. Thank you. Anything else that you can give us? <laughs> I have my pen. I have my table. pen. Start oh, writing. I'm sure. We we may have to wait and drop off the recording to we'll give you some of our <laughs> our our less public ideas. But. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but before we before we wrap things up, I, I wanted to mention, you know, Sylvia, you've you've been in the rum industry for so long. And I think one thing that is is good about rum right now is we can look around at um, not only you at Don Q, but distilleries all around the world and see lots of women in very senior positions, you know, master blenders and things mm-hmm. like that all over the place. I, I'm sure that's something it hasn't always been that way in the world of rum. There's always a conversation about getting women more involved in, in the world of spirits. And I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, how have you seen that evolve during your career? And what do you think are some things we need to continue doing to get women, you know, more involved in the, in the spirits industry? It's, it's interesting what you say, and I thought that, yes, when I started working here 48 years ago, I was the first woman to work in the manufacturing area. Mm, wow. There were no women in the manufacturing area. Mm. And when I went to different uh, activities, um, I remember that I looked around and there were no women there, unless I looked. 
to a mirror and see the myself. Mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know something, just exactly today at lunchtime, I was talking to a person who also knows a lot about the, the business. And I was talking exactly about this same item. And, oh, really? and you know what he told me? Sylvia, women has been in the business for many, 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 many years. It's just that and they have been doing an important job in the business. The thing is that they, they are not shown. Mm -hmm. They are not really, uh, you know, they don't allow those women to be really visible or visible in the, in the yeah. business. Mm -hmm. So I think that nowadays is really, it, this is the time where those women are coming out and they are seeing no barriers. They are just coming out and they give the best that they have. And I am so happy. I believe that it's not only women. I believe that the, the people, the person, values for their talents and for what they can give to the company. And, and that's what really we should keep improving. We should allow the people to show their best. Women, they, they shouldn't feel fear they, they should go because they we have a lot to do we mm -hmm. we have a lot to offer listening to to women that that's important it's an important yeah. you know you you mentioned women have have made an impact in in you know spirits for a long time they're not always visible there's actually i came across this this amazing photo i think it was from either the the 50s or maybe the early 1960s. And it's a photo from the rum pilot plant in Puerto Rico. Um, and there's three women who are scientists who are sitting there in the lab testing the rum. It's this black and white photo. Um, yes. it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I just remember seeing that and being like, you know, wow, that's, that's something I would mm -hmm. not have predicted happening, you know, in that mm -hmm. time period. Yes, yes. I remember because I visited the, the pilot, rum pilot plant Oh, many did you? Time, yes, many times I, I had the opportunity to, to visit them and talk to them. In fact, one of our directors here now used to work in the in the pilot room. Wow. And yes, there were those ladies there and they had a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. of, of the products and of the technology. Uh, so as you all said, yes, they were there since that time. Since, since you brought that up, I don't want to keep you too long, but there's something so fascinating to me about the rum pilot plant and kind of the role mm -hmm. it played in, in Puerto Rican rum. And as I understand it, it was essentially this pilot distillery that its purpose was to exist to research rum and share that knowledge with producers on the island so it would kind of lift the entire category of, of Puerto Rican mm -hmm. rum. So I'm curious to ask you, when when you would go and visit there, was it just to kind of like check out, you know, what they were doing or, or like ha what, what, what was the, the reason for the visit? The visit that was exactly like that, was wow. just going there and learning what they were doing. Uh, but let me tell you something that probably you don't know. We have seen because, again, because of the many years that I've been here, that um, we have tested many, many rooms from yes. all around the Americas. And I can tell you that 40 years ago, rums weren't as good as some of those are today. Mm. And you know why? Because they came to Puerto Rico. They came to the rum pilot plant and they mm. learned how to make good rum from us in Puerto Rico. 
that's the reality because the Ron Pilot plant was part of the University of Puerto Rico. Puerto right. Rico, yes. So mm -hmm. they were obliged to be open to whoever came to the island and visit and learn. So most of these countries that nowadays are producing rums, they learn a good part of that from those studies made by the Ron Pilot in Puerto Rico. Even the sugar mills that in, in mm. many places in South America, they came here to Mayagüez, to the University mm -hmm. of Puerto Rico in Mayagüez, when they were focused on that, and they took that knowledge back to their countries, and now they are major producers of their sugar cane mm -hmm. juice and molasses. Yeah, actually, I, I took a trip to Puerto Rico in 2020, and this was right before the pandemic started. It was, uh -huh. like, it was okay. early March. I was actually supposed to go visit... Uh, Sarayes, and okay. the day before I was supposed to drive to Ponce, you you closed. Uh, you know, oh, really? Like, like you saying, yeah. But while I was there, I took a special little trip to the Rum Pilot Plant, and just I just wanted to see it in person because the the big you know tower where the column still was is still there, and you can yeah, even through bad. through some of the windows you can still see some of like the the diagrams and things on the walls. Oh wow! Um, I didn't want to risk trespassing, so I didn't go inside. <laughs> but I felt like I was in, um, you know, uh, Lisa. You mentioned that kind of like holy place feeling, being around yes, the sherry barrel. That's kind of what I felt like. I felt like I was it seeing is. like an old church or something like that. Yeah, that's something started there. Well, thank you both so much uh, for for taking the time thank to you. talk with us today. Before we let you go, we do have a tradition on the Rumcast. It's yeah. a, a special bonus round of questions <laughs> that we call the rapid fire round All of right. questions. Uh -huh. um, normally, I think this works best with one person doing it. So I don't know if one of you wants to volunteer for the special honor. But John, I have a strategy here. Oh, you I have think, a strategy, John. I have a strategy. Okay. Tell us about so the I strategy. Think we can, I think we can do this with uh, involving both of you uh, and, and make it fun for each of us. So what I'm going to do is we're going to try to get through as many of these in 60 seconds as we can. There's short answers and there's no wrong answers. So whatever you want to say, you give a short answer to. Oh, my God. Okay. The <laughs> no long explanation. Just one or two words as there. As there you are. got it. Exactly. exactly. Okay. And if we don't know, we just say pass. You can always say pass. pass. Yes. Okay. Yes. Less interesting, but we'll allow a pass. That's no problem. Uh, so what we're going to do is the first four of these, I'm going to ask of both of you. And okay. then I'll start at calling names and I'll say who it's directed to and you'll both get a few. Okay. okay. All right. Okay, right. so, Will, you're going to put 60 seconds on the clock? Yep, I've got 60 seconds, and go. All right, for both of you, neat or on the rocks? Rocks. Neat. All right, column, pot, or blend? Column. <laughs> All right, so one column, one blend. All right, aged or unaged? Aged. Aged. Both aged, all right. Molasses or cane juice? Molasses. Molasses. That's an easy one. I, that was it. Yeah, that was a <laughs> gimme. Okay. All right, Sylvia, your favorite person to share a bottle of great rum with? My husband. All right. That Good makes answer. sense. Lisa, name a place outside of Puerto Rico you feel is making incredible rum right now. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh Oh, Jamaica. Always a good answer. Yep, yep, yep. Sylvia, will there be a special edition, like 50th anniversary Sylvia Santiago bottling coming out from Don Houston? <laughs> more, more ideas. In, uh, I am working with that. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so we can expect to see that. Sylvia, other than great rum, why should people come visit Puerto Rico? Because we have a wonderful, wonderful stone. 
<laughs> I agree. And the pilot, the old pilot, you can you can get caught trespassing like Will. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> all right, for both of you to end it, is there any truth to the rumor that Sarayes is considering launching a new value brand as a sidekick to Don Q Rum, and it will be called Sancho P? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you no. for letting us know. No, I, we didn't know. We didn't know that. Uh, all right. Well, hey, look, the, the idea is out there, and it's yours to use for free if you want to use it. I won't even yeah, claim any. <laughs> we have two. We have a, We have two ideas. That... There you go. Well, thank you all. That, that was fun, and we appreciate you taking thank part you. in that. Thank you. Really fun and informative overall, and wishing uh, Don Q and you all, of course, a wonderful rest of the, uh, what would you say, careers? Yes. Uh, careers, both of you. Uh, Sylvia, you're uh, an amazing, almost coming up on that golden anniversary. And Lisa, 20 years almost already for you, but just getting yes. into this new position. It's yes. uh, wonderful to talk to you all. Thank you thank so you. much. We had a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. And hey, if you like what you heard, feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a little rating. We, uh, John, I think we're 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 inching our way to a hundred reviews. I think we're about eighty-two right now. So that one hundred review milestone—that's a—that's a big one. And yeah. when you when you do that, not only is it helpful for us to get feedback, but it also helps people discover the show. You know, they put us in more places and stuff like that. So if you want to help us spread the rum world, uh, rum word. Go ahead and head on over there. Leave us a review. And um, also, if you have any questions from this episode, or maybe, you know, you've got your own Don Q opinions, takes, drinks you love to make with their rum, uh, reactions to share, always feel free to send us an email at host at rumcast.com. And John, where can they find us out there uh, across the social media landscape? Yes, we, we have covered the landscape at this point, I think, Will, with our social media presence. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, we, we haven't done TikTok, Will, but maybe we will at some point. Maybe we should. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I, have to, I, I need like a Gen Z consultant to help me with that. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. But at the Rumcast in any of those platforms, we do uh, kind of uh, make sure to get back to people there and comments uh, and, and respond to those or uh, the DMs or the PMs, whatever the right. Uh, M there is but for people contacting us yeah you got me there also um if you would like to support the show and get some cool stuff we're on patreon now so you can go to patreon.com slash the rumcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the rumcast we had our first patreon exclusive happy hour last week i think it was it was awesome had a bunch of listeners in there uh everyone brought you know we did a bottle share yeah it was really fun swapping uh, thoughts on a, a bunch of different realms out there so join on patreon come hang out with us we'd love to see you there uh but yeah with all that said we will see you next time <laughs>